0: Have you ever um, found a blog that somebody else wrote about you when you were a teenager, outlining <laughs> your relationship with your very first boyfriend? And they were just like a psychotic stand for you while also secretly trying to steal your boyfriend? Because I did. <laughs> I found one.
1: I mean, as. Oddly specific as that is, no, I don't think I've ever experienced that. Cool. However, I can admit yeah. that I have written blogs on MySpace about people that I hated. That is for sure. Well, passive aggressive journals,
0: so <gasps> and it still exists. So.
1: Wow. Well, drop the link. Drop the at. <laughs>
0: I'd rather not. Yeah, yeah, anyway, I mean, that was the scariest thing I dealt with That's lately. fair. That's
1: fair. <laughs> Welcome back to Paranormal Guys. It's Welcome your back to um, non-investigative n- celebrity. <laughs> f- I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I wanted to say something along the lines of like Instagram famous or like internet famous uh, <laughs> hosts. Because is Marie is. I, <laughs> um, and, uh, I wish. And we're back with a uh, a full a full blown full blown Z episode of mm-hmm. of paranormal, <laughs> and we uh, we have a theme for this episode which uh, Marie decided to just um, drop come at me just. with yeah she just <laughs> dropped it on me and was like this is what we're doing this is what I'm doing so. I'm
0: doing this one and you can follow suit or not. <laughs> I'm, I'm so down. I always love episodes like this where it's like, because um, we talk a lot about like true ghost stories or whatever. And then there's all, the fraud ones or the debunked ones are always fun episodes. So we're giving yeah, you another one of those today. I
1: feel like a lot of our, like, I do feel like some of our listeners don't like, love the fraud debunk ones because I feel like they're like but it's real and and I mean it's and we're not saying that this that these things aren't aren't real or that people don't have these abilities but these people didn't so yeah like right exactly they deserve to be called out
0: precisely especially (laughs) when it's damaging to other human beings that they're right
1: exactly precisely Mm mm-hmm so I mean, you wanna you wanna explain what exactly we are doing yeah. a debunking of?
0: <laughs> yes, these are my favorite episodes to do actually. So um, we're doing a debunking of uh, two famous psychics. So famous psychics who made predictions that were horribly, horribly wrong. Um, so yeah, mine was a family
1: of psychics.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. It was a whole, okay, whole
1: family of them. They they they've messed up some people's lives. That's for sure.
0: Damn all right well let's jump into horoscopes I think you're first this week Do it. okay yeah
1: so Gemini you've been working especially hard lately and today you begin to reap the benefits of all your hard work some project that's dear to your heart may be nearing completion and even you are impressed by the results all those naysayers who said it would never work are now looking at you with admiration and respect give yourself a pat on the back
0: for your accomplishment sweet um so yes I've obviously I've been working especially hard lately at my job like I'm working uh I worked really hard today and actually finished my work early and so I went out to the garden center and got some shit out in the garden like for for my garden um so I reaped the benefits of working hard uh because I finished work early and got to go do fun shit um (laughs) (laughs) but um later on where it says some project that's near and dear to your heart maybe nearing completion and even you are impressed by the results uh yes so um basically our backyard has been like an ongoing saga in our lives we've probably Mm. got like I'm gonna say like like a couple grand worth of things that need to be done back there to completely finish it. And so we actually called our financial planner the other day just to do like a check-in, check-up type thing with our, with our finances because now that we're having a kid, our lives are changing and our financial priorities are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so putting in, I guess, like a lot of work towards that and like lots of research into it, our financial planner was able to figure out a way to basically like pay off all of our debt, get us a new car, finish our backyard for us, and have money set aside so that when this kid comes, um, we're not like panicking. So super excited about that. And yeah, that all pretty much should be settled within the next few days. And that's, I think, I think that's like uh, a big thing that I would say that we were like putting a lot of work into and reaped the benefits of today or in the near future so i
1: I was i was gonna say there's another thing that you've also been putting a lot of work into (laughs) that what is no the podcast i'm worried
0: oh yeah you're you're right that's oh yeah yeah (laughs) you're right there's a big thing
1: coming and this episode i mean i don't think we can we can't announce it fully yet but you will you will know within the next two weeks yeah, um, what we've been working towards and um, hinting ab- about on like our socials and just in you'll notice some changes on some of our episodes as well. So maybe mm-hmm. you can guess uh, if you just look back at the cut catalog.
0: Um, but yeah, I that's so funny because I didn't even think to put those two together because We've known about this for a while, but we're not allowed to say anything yet, so (laughs) sorry. But yeah, keep tune in the next few episodes, you guys will definitely be filled in on what we're talking about, so that's good. (laughs) All right, Leo, you have a generous spirit which could get you in trouble if you aren't careful. When you get a gift of money or even a hint of one, your tendency is to buy presents for all of your friends. <laughs> That's true. It's hard. <laughs> that it's is hard true. to fault. You. <laughs> it's hard to fault you for this. But there are other ways to show your affection. You could bake cookies to distribute, for example. This will keep your money safe and earning interest. Yes, your love language is definitely giving gifts to people.
1: Yeah, I like to give gifts for sure. Um I did spend more than I probably Needed to or should have on my mother's Mother's Day present. And um, yeah, I've I've looked at my bank account lately and I'm like, Ugh, I should be further ahead this month than I, like I had anticipated being further ahead than I actually am. And I'm kind of annoyed by it because of things that I've either bought for others or needed to spend on things that I really could have probably kept in my wallet but alas I will make up for it I am I as much as I like to spend money on other people I don't I'm not wasteful on myself yes. I do feel like I'm I, I I am able to save my money yeah, still as much you
0: are as I pretty good it. at saving money actually and uh yeah you're I mean you're your mom's only daughter like of course you were gonna overindulge no. on my mother's day gift like <laughs>
1: right well and it's her first mother's day without her mother, yeah so I right. was like she needs I wanted her to feel um as much love and appreciation as humanly possible to help her you know make that day not um, a
0: downer for her oh that's sweet
1: well I guess I'm reading first the am I doing the yeah. first one I am I'm okay so All right, Here. Here we, here we go. So I got my um, information from newyorkdailynews.com, abcnews.com, and thesunsentinel.com. Uh, and my story is about Rose Marks, who is the matriarch of a family of fraudulent psychics convicted of federal crimes in 2013 in Ooh, Florida. So
0: that's pretty recent.
1: Yeah. No, not long mm-hmm. ago at all. Yeah. So, Marks and members of her extended family operated multiple storefront businesses, four in Broward County, Florida, one of which was in Fort Lauderdale, named Astrology Life, and one in Manhattan on West 58th Street near Central Park. They told vulnerable clients that the only solution to their problems was to give the purported psychics money, Prior to this case, there was doubt, though, that a psychic could be criminally charged. Jurors were told that fortune-telling is um, protected by free speech. So that was that's an interesting kind of transition of events yeah. during this case because um, prosecutors con- contended that Marx engaged in fraud by promising to keep clients' money safe, cleanse it, and return it when she had no intention of returning oh, okay. it. okay. So Charles Stack, a retired Fort Lauderdale police detective, was the one who kind of brought this case to to light. And I'll get into what his investigation was all about. Um, but according, I w- I'm just going to do a little bit of a background on, on these people. So according to reports, the family are members of this group Traditionally drop out of school when they are eight or nine years old and then mothers then train daughters to develop what they call psychic or intuitive powers. This training was presented by both prosecutors and the defense during Rosemarx's trial and apparently Marx began working at the age of eight or nine. The Marx family immigrated from Greece in the late 19th or early 20th century. Although adhering to Romani cultures and beliefs, they also worked to assimilate into American life. Marx attended public school until she dropped out in the third grade. She was married in an arranged marriage at 16 or 17 years old, living in Virginia until moving to Broward County in 1998. Marks and her late husband were the ones who opened the store in Manhattan. So... Stack began a criminal investigation into Rose Marks and her family in 2007 before retiring from the Fort Lauderdale Police Department. And subsequent federal investigation, Operation Crystal Ball, resulted in charging Marks and eight family members with crimes spanning 20 years. According to the indictment, there were numerous victims of the Marks family's psychic ruse through the use of various magician's tricks, creating an impression of genuine psychic ability. The family claimed to communicate directly with Michael the Archangel. The women of the family, including Rosemarks, sometimes use the alias Joyce Michaels, I guess in connection to Michael the Archangel. I'm not too sure about that. Many of the victims had suffered a traumatic loss, which also makes this even more sad Two of the victims identified by the Palm Beach Post were author Jude Devereaux, who I'll get into later because she has a whole story around what this woman did to her, and another woman who were defrauded of 20 million and 1 million, respectively.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Over a span of 20 oh years. Oh my God. De- Yes. This is like the Nigerian, like it's like the modern day Nigerian prince scheme where like you're like, look, like imagine your family member is giving somebody this much money and you're like, oh my God, please stop. Right. <laughs> like, stop doing yes. that. Stop doing, okay. yes.
1: Well, the thing was that Devereaux believed the money would be returned after it was cleansed, as I mentioned earlier and then the single victim of Vivian Marks who is i believe the granddaughter identified by the sun sentinel was defrauded of 180,000 which he was told would go to charity work in africa which it didn't another victim was told that her money had burned in the september 11th attacks
0: oh my gosh
1: like these people are monsters oh my gosh a victim who had been hearing voices in his head was told by Cynthia Miller that she would—so this is a member of their family—she would speak with Michael the Archangel, who she said told her the victim needed to sacrifice gold coins. This victim turned four hundred thousand in gold coins over to Miller. A family cler- curse that could be cured only by the cleansing of money and valuables was a scenario frequently employed by the Marx family. Oh my gosh. Their victims included a female U.S. Naval Academy graduate, an English attorney, and other highly educated men and women with executive positions. Michael Vasquez wrote in the Miami Herald that the indictment included the following examples of methods used by Marx and her family. Marx told one client she had a gift from God and would provide him divinely inspired direction if he gave her money as a sacrifice that Marx would pray over and later return. Nancy Marks told a woman she had been cursed in a prior life and to get rid of the curse, a temporary sacrifice of money was needed, which would be returned three times over after being set aside for a curse-killing prayer. After making a deposit on an expensive watch, Nancy Marks had a client pay off the balance promising to return it after using it to turn back time and bring love back to the client. The client received only the empty box. Oh my God. The family amassed a fortune estimated at between $25 and $40 million. I mean, they only needed one client to get $20 million. So I assume that that's, you know, $25 and 40000000 million isn't that crazy. right? Operation Crystal Ball um, basically cracked the case open. And um, Jude Devereaux, an internationally... Successful author, who has written more than 50 romance novels, 37 of which have been New York Times bestsellers, was distraught, lonely, and days away from suicide when Fort Lauderdale detective Charles Stack tracked her down in a hotel room. Devereaux, who was a princess of the publishing world with more than 50 million copies of her books printed, was victimized by the fortune-telling con artist who fleeced her out of 20 million over a span of 17 years, leaving her with practically no money left to her oh name. God. And Devereaux is one of between 15 and 18 victims that the family apparently defrauded. However... Stack has a list of other potential victims that he spends his days trying to contact and worries about whether other victims may have actually committed suicide for basically
0: giving away all their money to these people. Right. I wouldn't doubt it.
1: For Devereaux, her path to isolation in a hotel room was a long one that began by chance in 1991 when she walked into a psychic parlor in New York right next to the Plaza Hotel. Troubled by a turbulent marriage and pregnancy difficulties, Devereaux was looking for someone to help her. There, she met a woman who she believed was named Joyce Michael. For the next 17 years, Devereaux would trust that Michael was her confidant, friend, and someone who could solve her problems. Instead, Joyce Michael, whose real name is Rose Marks, would become the source of pain, deception, and fraud while trapping Devereaux with threats and the promise of hope. So for 20 years, the family has been telling customers that money is the root of all evil, according to the the indictment, convincing people to hand over huge sums of money, jewelry, and other valuable items that needed to be purged before being returned. Rose's attorney says that she and her family believe that they have a gift to heal people, and although he says they profited from their business, their business was to help people, and compares the situation to people giving money to churches or therapists. Mm
0: -mm. No, it's not. It's definitely not the same.
1: (sighs) But the family allegedly sought out vulnerable customers looking to cure illnesses and spells of bad luck or men-broken relationships. They performed tarot card readings, palm readings, astrology readings, numerology readings, and spiritual readings. And most of the victims were highly intelligent women, very successful, but very vulnerable at the time that they were going to them for advice. Many of the victims suffered a traumatic loss, including Devereaux. In 2005, Devereaux's 8-year-old son died when he was hit by a truck while riding his dirt bike at their home in North Carolina. When Devereaux told Marks, she thought she needed to see a grief counselor. Marks told her that her son was caught between heaven and hell and needs to be protected. Marks said that Devereaux needed to stick with her and they would save the boy. Over the years, Marx convinced Devereux to sell her house and all of her assets while isolating herself from all of her family and friends. Stack said that the threats were made against her and her family in order to keep the money coming. Jude believes that she signed a will to Marx as well, which I'm not sure, but at the time of this report, they were still looking for. <laughs> Devereaux said that her 2010 novel, Scarlet Knights, details how the fraudulent psychics work and how they exploit people for money. In the novel, Devereaux writes about a character named Mitzi, a fraudulent psychic, much like Marx, is described in court papers. What she did took cunning and a total disregard for the quality of human life. She writes about Mitzi's strategy of gaining a client's trust, using religion and faith to create hope, and finally taking control of their lives. Women in trauma and grief, whose lives were in chaos, thronged to her, hoping to find answers about what they should do to solve their problems. Mitzi took the ones who were so desperate for relief that they were willing to pay all they had to get out of the turmoil their lives had become. In the ad- indictment, Devereaux was identified only by her initials, J.M. J.M. would provide Defendant Rosemarks with large sums of money after Defendant Rosemarks assured her that the money was a sacrifice, not a payment, and promised that the money would be returned. The money was never returned. It's not an easy road. After a while, the victims start to sense that something's not right, and when law enforcement comes along, they realize something really is wrong. All of the victims in the end will say, I can't believe I fell for this. Yes. Stack said part of the problem is that many of the victims made civil complaints, but many police officers think that if no one puts a gun to your head, it's not mm-hmm. a crime. But Charles Stack persuaded many of the victims to, to testify in court, leading to Mark serving 10 years in federal prison. She has been locked up since September 2013, when a jury found her guilty of masterminding the fraud. Defense attorney Fred Schwartz said the federal government seized Marx's family assets, including cars, motorcycles, a boat, gold, jewelry, and a home near the intercoastal waterway. Eight family members had previously pleaded guilty to a single count of conspiracy to commit wire mail fraud. They were Marx's daughter, son-in-law, her two sons and their wives, her sister, and granddaughter, who was Vivian Marx. And Vivian Marx was sentenced to four months in prison and a house arrest followed three years oh probation gosh. in october 7th 2013. the same day michael Marks and ricky Marks were sentenced to six months house arrest followed by two years probation and eight months house arrest followed by two years probation respectively. so for people who say they use their seemingly psychic abilities to help others they sure as hell didn't have enough foresight to help themselves.
0: yeah no shit. uh, what a good one I almost feel bad for the granddaughter like I feel like she was like raised in this family where she just thought I know like she was just you know molded into this yeah yeah fuck that was it was she was in the
1: family business you know that's what it was to her right yeah like oh that sucks so well
0: I mean they all were
1: kind of though they were all young at one point and
0: I guess eight or nine years old
1: taught to be this like that's, to them, their business. I guess so. Well, I guess that... Not to, It's not right, but it...
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So, this week... I'm going to talk about a specific psychic that I have a beef with. Uh, she's dead. <laughs> she's she's definitely dead, but I still have beef with her. So. See you in the afterlife. That's right. So, so we're going to talk about Sylvia Brown. And for anyone who doesn't know, Sylvia Brown was a, in quotes, psychic, who's mostly known for being a recurring guest on the Montel Williams show. And if you're too young to know what the Montel Williams show is, which I think some of our audience is, it was a talk show that was on after school and it was drama filled and completely addicting. I like loved it. It was just part of my regular lineup after school. So Sylvia would go on his talk show And She'd make predictions. Most of them were super vague, but there were some episodes where she would end up speaking to the family members of victims who were missing or murdered, and those episodes were especially difficult to watch. Brown historically made false predictions about their family members' whereabouts and what had happened to them and so um oh by the way i got all my information from uh, the Guardian. So there was an article about this in the guardian there is an article about it in the skeptical inquirer and from wikipedia so the skeptical inquirer did a deep dive into sylvia's predictions there were 115 predictions that they could find that they had transcripts and dates that they were able to verify so they didn't want to like use her predictions that were hearsay, like someone told them that she did a reading for them and it was wrong. They wanted like verifiable evidence type thing. Um, So there were 115 predictions that they could verify. um, And uh, of these 115, 25 of the predictions were proven completely wrong. And the remaining 90 predictions had, had either an unknown outcome Or they remain unsolved, meaning that Sylvia's predictions were proven right a total of zero times. And yet she remains one of the most well known psychics of all time. So it's crazy. So I'm going to get into some of the incredibly inaccurate predictions that she made. Um, This is going to be long, so I'm just letting you guys know. So during the sago mine uh, mining disaster which was a coal mining explosion that happened on january 2nd in 2006 sylvia claimed that all of the miners were alive when they were actually all dead there was a missing man named richard kneebone his wife Teresa kneebone had sought help from sylvia and sylvia told her that her husband was alive and well and that he was traveling in canada But a few days after the reading his very badly decomposed remains were found in california very close to a bar that he had been at or that he had been last seen at so he was definitely not in canada it gets worse um this one is she predicted that a 9 11 firefighter was still alive but his body was recovered from the rubble of the world trade center two weeks earlier and this, is just, this isn't even part of my research that I did, but off the top of my head, I can also remember an episode that I watched where she was speaking to a family member who said, like, um, I just want to know where his body is. Like, you know, they died, yeah. uh, they died and I want to know where their body is. And Sylvia Brown's response was, I see him in water. And yeah, the family looked this. super confused. And then they said to her, No, he died on 9-11 like he's not in water and then like everyone was just super silent and awkward and then i think it was montel that jumped in and was like well the firefighters were using a lot of water so that would that might make sense and i was like you're fucked (laughs) okay (laughs) i hate you so so that's another one um in 1999 she did a reading for the grandmother of a girl named opal jennings Jennings was only six years old when she was abducted from her front yard in Texas. A man pulled up, grabbed her, threw her into his truck, hit her when she screamed, and then drove off. Her distraught grandmother went on the Montel Williams show and said, this is too much for me and my family to handle. We want her back. I need to know where Opal is. I can't stand this. I need your help, Sylvia. Where is Opal? Where is she? And Sylvia said, she's not dead. But what bothers me, now, I've never heard of this before, but she was taken and put into some kind of a slavery thing and was taken to Japan. The place is called Kukoro. Kukoro, Montel asked after a moment's stunned silence. And Sylvia said, so yeah, she was taken and put on some kind of a boat or a plane and taken into white slavery, Sylvia said. Opal's grandmother looked, (sighs) yeah, yeah. Opal's grandmother looked drained and confused. Opal's body was eventually found buried in Fort Worth, Texas. She had been murdered the night that she went missing, which was verified by a pathologist. A local man named Richard Lee Franks was convicted. In 2002, there was a missing person named Holly Crewson. Her mother went on the Montel Williams show to ask Sylvia for help. Sylvia told her quote, she's in Los Angeles, and when she was calling you, she was on drugs, but she's still alive. Sylvia also told her that her daughter was dancing in adult entertainment nightclubs and said, quote, you might get a postcard marked Los Angeles, end quote. After hearing this, her family would frequent LA in hopes of finding Holly. One year later, Holly's mother passed away, and three years after that, Holly's body was identified. Holly had been murdered and her body was discovered in 1996. So when Sylvia Brown in 2002 told um, her mom that she was alive Mm -hmm. and well and she was in L.A., she had been murdered six years years prior. But it took them until 2006 to identify her as, as Holly. So she was considered a Jane Doe. Oh, okay, okay, Right, so then in 2006 on the Montel Williams show, Sylvia did a reading about Robert Hayes. So he was serving in the Army National Guard, and he was killed while he was at an ATM. And Brown (laughs) told Hayes's crying fiancé that he had met a man at at a casino, and he took Hayes to an ATM and robbed him of his casino winnings. But later on, the police found out that Hayes never went to a casino. He had only told his fiance that, he, that that's where he was going. In actuality, he had gone to meet another woman. Oh. Hayes, right. Hayes was actually the victim of a conspiracy by four people, which was including a, a local beauty queen who had lured him to meet her so that her and three of her friends could rob him. Brown told his fiance that he was shot three times in the chest, the head, and over on his side. And the fiance replied, I didn't know that he was shot in the head. The police never said that. The police said he got shot in the hand. Brown told her that the case would be solved, but that it would take police years to find the person responsible. But the police arrested the four individuals later that same year. He was never shot in the chest or head or on the side. He was shot in the hand, just like the police had said.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So on November 19, 2003, on Montel again, um, there was a girl named Erica Baker who was missing. And Brown told Erica's mother, she's not dead, but she's in Michigan. And Brown claimed that someone had sold her for drugs and that there was a black woman who helped throw her into an old truck. In 2005, Christian John Gabriel was convicted of moving and concealing Erica's body in Ohio. Her body was not found, but Gabriel claimed to have buried it after he hit her with his van so great job sylvia let's throw black women under the bus give false leads to police uh and just perpetuate the violence against black people no problem like you're a real gem um in february of 2001 on montel two months after jamie barker fell from a bridge while he was working Brown told his widow that he died a that he died a quick death and that his body is on the site. There's no doubt about it, but they won't find it unless they dig, and I don't think they will. So they couldn't find his body after he fell off this bridge. Two months later, Baker's body was discovered downstream in LaSalle, and an autopsy discovered that he suffered no broken bones or head injuries in the 15-story fall he had drowned in the water. So that's not a quick death um it, it not like he fell and hit his head like she had claimed and died a quick death so again wrong um on September 30th 1999 again on Montel Brown uh, told the family of a girl named Eve Brown that Eve Brown is well and living in Florida this was not true Eve's body was found a year later at a Brooklyn New York construction site 13 miles from where she was last seen the murder remains unsolved Uh, Brown told a woman that Terrence Farrell, who was a firefighter involved in 9-11, she said that he was alive and she was wrong. His body was found in the rubble one month later. So that might be the one that I was talking about earlier. On September 24th, 1998 on Montel, Erica Frazier was missing at this time. She was missing in 1997, but on September 4th in 1998, Brown did a reading for her mother. And she said that her daughter was in the water and someone named Chris had killed her. The following day, Erica's ex-boyfriend, Chris Meneer, killed himself. And Chris, or police said that Chris's alibi actually checked it out and he was not a suspect. Chris's mom sued the montel williams show his producers paramount pictures and viacom oh my god because he committed suicide yeah this yep but the case ended up getting dismissed after the broadcast the police searched the nearby lakes and found nothing and police say that erica is still a missing person and they are continuing to investigate it oh now shit. i specifically remember that episode i do right. remember that episode Right. This one is a short thing, but I can expand on it because it's one of the most famous um, Sylvia Brown predictions that went completely wrong. It's about Sean Hordenbeck. So on February 26, 2003 on Montel, Brown told Sean's parents that their son was dead, but he ended up being found alive in 2007. Um, And what this article doesn't mention is that He was kidnapped and then had Stockholm Syndrome, and his kidnapper was basically telling him that his parents weren't looking for him, that Mm -hmm. he would buy him like an Xbox and stuff. He was like hanging out with kids in the neighborhood, and eventually he was found alive. So for four years, these parents thought that their son was dead when he was actually alive. Um, February 11th, 2004, on Montel, uh, there was a boy named Ryan Catcher, he had gone missing, and Brown told his mother two boys got terribly frightened and then dropped him in a, metal, in a metal shaft of some kind. Brown further said that he's still in the shaft, close to 25, 26, maybe 27 miles from where you would be. On July 25, 2006, police fr- found Ryan in his truck underwater in a pond, and an autopsy showed that he was under the influence. According to a discussion with Ryan's mother on StopSylvia.com, Brown got more details wrong, but those parts were edited from the show before they had broadcasted it. Then there was Angie Lee. On March 28, 2007, on the Montel Williams show, Brown told Angie's mother, it's a serial killer who had killed a college girl that was responsible for Angie's stabbing death, and there's a knife somewhere in that immediate location that may have DNA, may have some sort of evidence on it. In 2008, Anthony Ashby pleaded guilty to her murder, and the motive for the crime was a home invasion and a residential burglary. Furthermore, a knife was not part of the evidence. DNA evidence from Ashby's gun and witnesses caused him to plead guilty. The law enforcement involved remarked the psychics did not provide any substantial leads. Then there was the uh, predictions about Chandra Levy. On July 17th, 2001, on Fox News, Brown said that Levy's body was in some trees down in a marshy area. She made this prediction when it was public knowledge that police were searching Rock Creek Park since someone used Chandra Levy's computer to find directions to that park. Benjamin Radford noted the remains were found across a steep incline in a heavily wooded area, perhaps near some trees, but not in a marshy area, since a marsh located on an incline is geographically impossible. Then there's the case of Linda McClelland on March 13th, 2002 on Montel Brown said that McClelland is not dead, that she's in Orlando, Florida, and she was taken by a man with the initials MJ and that her family would find her soon. One year later in March, 2003, McClelland's body was discovered near her home in Pennsylvania. David Rapaski was convicted of the murder after witnesses testified that Rapaski had strangled her. Then there's the prediction of Ashley Ulett, Fe- in February 2000 on Montel. According to the Associated Press, Brown said that Ulette's killing will be solved within a year and two months. According to the Scarborough Police Department, the crime is still unsolved. The prediction of Lori Pleasance on September 10th, 2003 on Montel. Brown said that Pleasance was killed by a stalker who got kicks out of that, but there was not necessarily DNA at the scene and that he was wearing gloves. In 2006, a man named William Gutterslow, pl- who was Pleasant's friend, admitted to killing her after the police found DNA that linked to him. While on the stand, he told jurors that he wiped the knife clean to avoid leaving fingerprints. S- then there's the prediction of Scott Renquin, uh, Dan Nelson, and Roger DeVernes. So. In March of 1999, on Montel again, according to the Associated Press, Brown told the families their their loved ones had died in a boating accident near the Everglades in a hovercraft. She gave them the name of a man who who allegedly owned the boat. Police uh, followed her leads and found nothing. Later, their bodies were discovered in their SUV in a drainage retention pond. Authorities believe that they missed a sharp turn at the unlighted corner and that their car flipped into the water. Then there's the prediction of Wayman Robbins, May 7th, 2003 on Montel, Robbins murder. Brown said that uh, this was other kids. They were playing a stupid game. She said that there were two or three of the kids that did it, but I don't think the kids meant to. And one of the kids' names is Danny. Wayman's uncle had actually strangled him in front of his sisters and was later convicted of the murder. Then there was Dana Satterfield in February of 1997, again on Montel. Brown said the murderer was an out-of-state construction worker that had no connection to Satterfield, choosing her on a whim. Nine years later, Jonathan Vick was convicted of the murder following witnesses and DNA evidence. Vick was a local high school student who attempted to go on dates with her, but she rejected his advances. Then there's Shannon Cheryl, November 19, 2003, on Montel. Brown claims that Cheryl, who went missing in 1986, was, quote, brainwashed and raised in a different family, but is still alive, end quote. And the case will break open soon. As of 2009, Cheryl's whereabouts are unknown, and the case was unsolved when this article was written. Um, I haven't been able to find anything about her still. Then there's the prediction of John Slayton. On May 14, 2003 on Montel, Brown said that indigence killed Slayton and his body was disposed in water and would not be found. In June, 2003, his body was found in a shallow grave. In 2006, his killers, a pawnbroker and his son were found guilty of the murder. Richard Torres on October 20th, 2004, again on Montel, brown told torres's widow that she would have a healthy baby boy the june 28 2005 update on montel reported that the baby was a girl and died five months premature however the segment omitted brown making any predictions about the pregnancy so they cut that one right out and the last one is about terry webb october 20th 1997 on montel According to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, his daughter said that Brown told him that she believes that he was killed six months after he disappeared and that his body is buried somewhere at Fort Bragg. At the time of the reading, Webb had been listed as AWOL and was missing since 1991. In 2004, his body was eventually found buried under a shed in Fayetteville. In 2006, the suspect pled guilty, saying that he shot Webb in self-defense when he sexually assaulted him and was given three years in prison. After the arrest, Montel did a follow-up on September 15, 2004, but the segment omitted Brown giving any specifics, including the location of Webb's body. So those are the 25 cases that they were able to, without a doubt, prove that she was wrong on and all the the frustrating part is that all 25 of those were taking advantage of the families of murder victims and it's just And potentially just, interfering with
1: the With case, investigations ongoing cases and investigations like telling basically telling family members to stop looking for your your, your son, daughter, whoever, fiance, and like, basically they're either safe or they're
0: dead. Just stop looking and being wrong about it. Right. Right. And like, if it pissed me off too, that Montel Williams was like deleting these things on rebroadcasts or like not showing them, like, if you're going to do that, just don't have people like make it a rule that we, you can come up with the dumbest bullshit excuse if you want to have a fake psychic on your show and just say nothing to do with any ongoing murder or missing person investigations because we don't want to, right, because it's an ongoing investigation. Like, it's just, it just reminds me of, like, the poor girl Kelsey German right now whose sister was murdered in Delphi Indiana and people are posting these side-by-side photos of someone who could who could potentially be a suspect who police have not even named as a suspect yet and they're posting it all over the place and the family member of this murder victim is telling them to stop doing it because it's harmful to their investigation and it's emotionally harmful for her families or for their families like it's just it just reminds me of that and to know that she did it to so many people to so many people was just like so so frustrating so fuck sylvia brown and then i ended it with um in a 2000 interview, Brown explained it best when she said, quote, you're only as good as your last reading. If you're not good, if you're not accurate, if you don't find missing people and you don't work with doctors and do health diagnoses with them, then you're, you know, you're just not good. End quote. Finally, something I can agree with Sylvia Brown on, she's not good. Seriously. No, she's not good. Yeah. Wow. And that's it. What a
1: fraud. <laughs> yeah
0: legit legit just and not even r.i.p i don't want you to rest peacefully there is
1: one thing that i heard that sylvia brown did predict that came true is maybe true and that's the COVID pandemic, basically, she said in 2020, there was going to be a flu-like pandemic that would come and go as basically as quickly as it came, which is not so true, but not so true about it coming and going as quickly as it came, but initially it appeared as if that was going
0: to be true. Did she? Okay, so I saw that, but then I also feel like I saw another thing that was like, Sylvia Brown didn't say that. Like you know, while I was maybe it wasn't. Yeah, I think they said it was a different, another person who did it, and they're like, "Stop saying Sylvia Brown said this." But I could be wrong. Maybe I read it the other way i might have read it i don't know way. i Who think knows. it was like a meme i saw that
1: was right like this is what Silv. this is a, an excerpt from sylvia brown's book but i don't i don't i can't i don't know i don't own her book and i of didn't course. know what page that was <laughs> <don't>? from.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no also the um, articles yeah. that i read were from 2009 so like it very well could have been a prediction that she had made that w- that possibly came true i don't i don't know but still fuck her uh yeah no still <laughs> still uh yeah well
1: those are some pretty friggin' shitty ps- psychics yeah. and I feel like I don't want to it makes me not
0: want to ever go to a psychic again I know I know me too and I'm thinking now like we put so much of our lives out on social media or like maybe I tweet something. I forget that I tweeted it three years ago. And then you book an appointment and it's like, oh, yeah, we can't see you for another month and a half. And in that month and a half, they're just doing these deep dives on you. Some finding shit on you, yeah. Yeah. And then like basically just using that info against you right and you're like oh shit yeah. that's so real but i don't know i don't know if i'll ever go back to another psychic again i had some good readings but i'm always even at like years after they happen or whatever i'm like could she, could they have found that out any other way you know what i mean Yeah no I I know I know you don't
1: know what you've put out there that they could or just like easily come to a conclusion on like it might not be something like exactly what you put out there but they could be like you know this I can I can easily conclude this from them making good conclusions on other things and their their work right right all right so all right well let's do our uh our fuck Mary kills for this episode you're gonna have to look up who these people are because I know you're not going to be able okay. to picture who these sure people are I don't sure. think so okay. anyway but they're pretty funny so I'm gonna keep them okay <laughs> okay so Tyler Henry Kay. which we already looked him up yeah Matt Frazier okay and Colin Fry. I was just gonna say instead of Matt Frazier let's go with Chip Coffee
0: <laughs> okay let's look him up okay i'm going to uh have sex with um what's his name now i can't remember tyler something henry tyler henry tyler henry i'm gonna have sex with tyler henry i'm going to kill colin fry and i'll marry chip coffee okay that's uh what would you do
1: probably the same Okay. probably that seems like the really only
0: only yeah, that's the only
1: answer really i don't think tyler henry would henry would want to have sex with me um no i, I know believe that i believe I he <laughs> is
0: not I know. straight but
1: <laughs> i know sorry but out of sorry, all tyler, of those
0: three <laughs> sorry tyler you don't he doesn't have to it's just an imaginary game where i pick yeah. him as yes I hope everyone knows we don't force these men. To no, marry us and to have marry us after.
1: and have sex with us and that we kill Die.
0: them. Yeah, um, <laughs> done. It's a made-up game. No. and out of all of them, I feel I feel like I would be like, okay, like, yes, you would. You're the best-looking of the three, so I'm going to have. Intimate relationship. Age, age appropriate. And age appropriate. Really. Correct. <laughs> okay. So my three are the big three. They're <laughs> Teresa Caputo, mm-hmm. uh, Miss Cleo, mm-hmm. Call Me Your Futures on the Line, and John Edwards, whose show I also okay. used to watch a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. As a I child. did not like John Edwards mm-hmm. when the show was out. I thought he was a fraud right away. But uh-huh. then I looked him up to do stuff on his um, predictions and frauds, and there's really oh. not that much that show that he is a fraud. They say wow. that his show did have some things that appeared to be of uh, questionable of how they got the information from their uh, guests and, and stuff yes. like that. Like when they had to fill out a
0: questionnaire. And yeah, then you'd have like an But earpiece. he's still making
1: predictions. He's still doing he? his thing. Wow. So look at him yeah. Go. Good for him. <laughs> so I mean, I would say that Caputo I would marry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably kill John Edward. Okay. And I'd probably have sex with Miss Cleo because she seems like a good time.
0: Right. Okay. I think I would... I think. I would just swap Miss Cleo and Teresa Caputo. I'd probably marry Miss Cleo and have sex with Teresa and then... Okay. Okay. Kill John Edwards, but I'd still kill John Edwards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. (laughs) I think I could go either way. I'm not... Yeah. uh, Yeah. I just... The reason why I say Teresa Caputo is because I feel like she's had just so many problems with her husband. And I'm just like, I think she just needs some love in her life.
0: You know what? No, she really she does. She went through a divorce. God bless <laughs> her, honestly.
1: God bless her. Uh, <laughs> and I know we'd have the same family values. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, that's <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'd get along with her daughter, too. Like, I feel like we'd be good friends yeah um well
1: I guess I wouldn't it. support oh. the nail salon that she goes to but no <laughs> no probably
0: not <laughs> um well I guess that's it for this episode of paranormal yeah that's and... it guys so hope hopefully
1: you like that and uh hopefully you have some better psychics in your lives than mm-hmm. the ones that we just spoke about
0: Yes. And I just want to thank everyone for the reviews we've been getting lately. We've been getting some really, really nice, kind reviews from people. And um, they literally make my day well, and I'm a hormonal mm-hmm. mess. So thank you so much. And Truly. keep them yeah, keep them coming because we have been featuring them on our Instagram page and we love, we love them. Um and that is basically it for this episode.
1: Because show showbiz, baby. That is. Stay spooky, everyone. <laughs> if you like this episode of Paranormal, we need your help. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple. And if you listen to us on Spotify,
0: go ahead and click the follow button. Even better, you can donate to us on Patreon, where you can access bonus content and members-only merch. To support your favorite spooky duo, go to patreon.com paranormalpod. And for show updates and giveaways, be sure to follow us on Instagram at ParanormalPod. And remember,
1: stay stay spooky. spooky!